for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept a Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after Passover, on the very day they ate the produce of the land and leavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua was in by Jericho, he looked lifted his eyes up and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or are for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the Lord, the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals, your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Father, please help me to convey what I believe you want us to hear this morning. First of all, I want to draw your attention to verse 1. The people of Canaan knew the identity of the Israelites. They knew they had a history that they'd done exploits and the Israelites needed to know that they were Israelites. It's an identity. The the need for a a, a proper understanding of our identity is critical for embracing the vision. Do your colleagues at work know you're a Christian? Sue, would you like to share um, you'll need to speak. You've got that one. I heard this this morning. It's, it's, it's a, a, a fairly well-known story. There was a, a new recruit um, in the army, and he was in the barracks the first evening, and the other men were all playing cards, and uh, they were just shouting and talking together. And he was ready for bed, and he thought, well, I'll do what I do as usual. I'm a Christian. He knelt down by his bed and started to pray. Whereupon all the men started shouting and cursing and swearing at him and laughing at him and blaspheming. And uh, he got into bed, and he did the same thing for three nights, and uh, the same thing happened. On the fourth morning, he went to see the chaplain. He said, all these men are swearing at me. What, you know, have you got any advice for me about being a Christian in their midst? And he said, well, look, they've got a right to be in the barracks the same as you. Why don't you just lie in your bed and pray instead of kneeling down? So God will still hear your, your prayers while you're lying down. So he did that. And a few weeks later, the chaplain bumped into him and he said, oh, how are you getting on? What's happened? So he said, well, I did what you told me for the, the next three nights. He said, uh, I lay down in my bed, but I felt like a dog that had been whipped, he said. I felt like pushed into submission. And I thought, I can't do with that. So he said, the next evening, I got back on my knees again. He said, so far, three of the men have been saved, and now we're praying for the others. (laughs) The importance of you knowing who you are 
in Christ. Because for the vis- you, are, you are the vision. It is you being a witness for Christ, knowing your identity and living it out there in the world in which you lived. In Acts 11, 26, we read, when Barnabas had found Saul, it turned out to be Paul the Apostle, he said that this new, this new disciple, he brought him to Antioch and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers and the disciples were first called Christians Antioch, Christians in Christ. You are a, if you believe in Jesus, you are a Christian. That is your identity. Rejoice in it. Let people know who you are. We are absolutely thrilled at this church as one of the outworkings of our vision that we, are, um, we, we, we do freedom in Christ. We thank Roy and Viv for all the work they, they've done and handed the baton over to Paul and Bob. Paul and Bob, will you stand up? Because um, we, th- th- this is a, a foundational plank of our vision at Gateway Church. We want everybody to know their identity in Christ. And freedom in Christ does that. I think you, you've started a new course. There's 15 people in it. So book him for the next one. If you've not done it, do it, because this will help you gain your identity in Christ and be more effective. Because you are, you are the vision. It is you. Being in Christ, is a, that's the part of the vision. Our identity in Christ changes our lives. We no longer fear for the future. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the slavery to fall back into fear, Paul writes, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry, Abba, Father. You see, if we know our identity, we will have peace with God and there is, we have nothing to fear on this earth. And that will enable us to share who we are to our friends, neighbours and work colleagues, wherever There are stories waiting for you to step into every day of your life when you live on this earth. And when you know your identity, you will take, you what you, in reaching out and stepping out, you will express the vision. Because you have been written into this story. Secondly, we no longer, once we know our identity, we no longer need to judge or compare ourselves with others when we seek to please Christ alone, in whom our identity is hidden. Comparing ourselves to those around us or judging decisions that our others make can suck the life out of us. And the more we understand our true identity, the greater the internal rest and peace will be. I don't have to compete because I know who I am. Yeah. I know what God's called me to be. Yeah. Don't do competitiveness because yeah. I'm at peace. I'm secure. I know where my boundaries are. I know where my lanes are in life. And thirdly, we should not be surprised when suffering comes, but we can be confident that it will produce things of eternal value. It says in Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, identity. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. No matter what life throws at you, when you know your identity, you press on. You don't get... the The danger is... The enemy will seek to take you out of the race. Something happens, some trauma, you lose your job or some illness. No, we're more than overcomers because of him who loved us. We're sons and daughters of God. We are, we are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. Our, knowing our identity keeps us on mission to express the vision. 
And fourthly, we no longer chase after the desires of our flesh, but instead seek to bring glory to God in all areas of our life. In 1 John 2, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but it is from the world. You see, we become the children of God. And there's a tangible illustration of this in verse 3 of chapter 5, where Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites of Gibeath at Haloth. As people were prepared, a part of this expression of the vision, and you picked it up today prophetically from an excellent prophetic song that Fran sang, it's time to pack up, leave, leave behind all the stuff behind Get ready, get ready, because we're moving on. Yeah, what about that happened in the past? No, we're moving on because God is with us. Things happen, life happens, but we're moving on. Don't live in the past, but live where God's calling you to be as we move forward. You see, the men needed to be dedicated to God. And that's a challenge for us men. Men, I speak to you right now. I'm I'm just speaking to you man to man. We need to be dedicated to God to see the vision fulfilled because you are a part of the vision. You see, Jesus' vision is you. (laughs) He died to win you back to the Father. You are the vision. So cut away all that's not of God. Be dedicated to God. Give yourself to God. The giving in this church is extraordinary. I, I tell you this, the giving in this church is extraordinary. But circumcise that bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give my first to God. It does something in a man's life. Be those that give themselves in prayer, guys. Now, as a part of our unpacking our vision... We've, we've, as you know, we've let the Holy Spirit, Lord, you show what you want to do. And the Spirit's coming upon people for different aspects of ministry. James, who's led this morning's meeting so well, James has come to, and he's stepping up to the plate, he says, I just want to get the guys together on a regular basis, a a bi-monthly meeting for the guys on a Saturday morning at the Riverside. That's significant. That's a part of our vision. You get it? That the men, we gather to God as warriors in God. Now, you ladies know, you know, it's, you know what I'm not saying there. But it's, it's wonderful when the men step up to the plate. And men take the lead in the home, spiritually. A distinctive and dedicated people. Last Friday evenings, we had four, four hours... Um, eight till midnight, wasn't it, Richard, at the, the, the Riverside? It was, a, it was just so enjoyable being in God's presence and people coming in saying, wow, we feel the presence of God here. And so rich with encouragement, seeing so many men there who just want to worship God. That's good. That, that, that bodes well for the future. And part of our vision is for, for the deepening of men's relationship with the Lord. Next, aspect of our vision we can see it I'll just draw it hang it on the verse 7 where God raised up sons to replace those who had fallen in the wilderness there was a discipleship 
and a multiplication being built in by the Father for the next phase. It has to be. There has to be discipleship with a view to multiplication. If we're in our growth, we're going to sustain the growth. So yes, we are meeting with some guys, with the elders at the moment. They could become elders. There may be some people who aren't in that little group who will become elders, but that's where we're making a a start. Because we've we've grown up, released some, we're growing some more. We're firming up a wider leadership team across the church made up of team leads. So then we want them to meet every six weeks together. We're doing that. The North School Further development of teams. There's so many teams that make Sunday morning work. I, I, I don't count how many. Richard will know how many there are. But there are so many teams. We're shaping that up to a new level. So children's ministry in particular. Operational coordinators for the children and youth being trained to support leaders. Liaison with anchors. Greater definition of roles and responsibilities for stewards and setup teams. You might not think that's going to change the world. I tell you, it's going to change the church. Because we won't get worn out. And who wants worn out elders? <laughs> People say, you look so tired. And I say, yeah, well, that's because we're tired. <laughs> but everybody gets to play. Everybody gets ownership. We've asked Becca Cole to reshape the, the whole structure of the welcome team, not just here on a Sunday morning, but for, right across the church. So we keep this sense of welcome. She'll build a team for that. Because Becca's a welcomer, extraordinaire. With the riverside that we have, we're seeing two emerging sites. One here, one at the riverside. One church, two sites. Will it be the same? Not exactly, but it will be consistent. The values will be consistent. The same songs, same worship songs. The preaching series will be the same, perhaps new ones for each different culture where we are. But there will be... There will be a team, a core team that will sit over for both sites made up of these team leads so that there's consistency there. We're beginning to expand. It's glorious. Because the more we step out in faith, the more God will honour it. And most probably at the Riverside we'll be having um, a cafe church. The same, same values, same songs, the same preaching titles. It might just be diff- a bit different how we apply that. Words of knowledge, healing, wisdom, all that, that's got to be a common value that we have. And verse 9, it goes on to, it goes on to say, um, I've missed a sheet here. Yes, I've missed a sheet. So discipleship and multiplication, raising up more sons. Now, from starting in May, Sue and I have been invited to join what's called a Kairos Connection Learning Community run by Simon Holly at Bedford and a man called Paul McConaughey who pioneered with Mike Breen from Sheffield the founding of missional communities. Has anybody ever heard of missional communities? Well, that comes out of their ministry. And so we we signed up for this. It's going to be about a two-year course but so that we learn to be better disciples for mission. And I know when you look at your life, you know, oh, I've not been very good at that. Has anybody, have you ever thought that about yourself? Oh, I could have done that better. 
I want to put my hands up and say, I could have been a better disciple. You know, but I'm not, I know I'm, I know I'm not young, but I'm not so old I can't learn. And we believe that it's, it's going to be critical for this next phase of the church's life that we get to grips more with discipleship. And particularly for the riverside, we want to do mission. No, we want to do mission. But I don't want to do mission where it's not intrinsic to discipleship. Because Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's the core of all mission. And so we want to really get to grips with that. And after each immersion experience, we will leave with a detailed six-month plan to help us accomplish things that we believe God has called us, our church community, especially at the Riverside, to do, but not exclusively, with regards to outreach. Alpha. Um, we've had a great time on Friday night praying for Pete. Um, you, you were covered with prophetic promises. The, the, the next season for Alpha, which you'll, you and Fran will be run, running with the team after Easter, it's a stepping up of gear. And the Alpha course will, will, will be fed into from both the North School and the emerging Riverside site. Okay. And I think from what we believe God was saying, it's a case of this is going to be very significant in the life of the church. So thank you for all you do, Pete and Fran. One of the biggest things we're talking about behind the scenes in terms of discipleship and, and multiplication is that we are looking to um, develop a, a, an impact team based here at Gateway from the, amongst the Catalyst churches. It's a year's course for people from 18s to 30s and they come, not exclusively, but it, is, it works out like that, and they come and give a year of ministry into a local church, a team, and they'll do receive training, some of the people from that, from that expected team hopefully will come from Gateway itself. So at the moment, Debbie is liaising with the um, overall coordinator for Catalyst uh, um, Impact Team Development for Catalyst. So we are looking to do that, and that would be fantastic being based at the church. Yeah, that's a big move for us. We might have as many as four to six people being based here, young people being trained to help. What a great environment for discipleship in this church, all that's happening across the church. Verse 9, it says, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So this place has been called Gilgal, it says to this day. The first first place they they crossed over and they based themselves at this Gilgal, that was their new home. And the first camp of the Israelites after they crossed the border it was called Gilgal. The camp served as their base of operations during the initial conquest of the Holy Land under Joshua. No more wandering in the desert. And, and as I read this, I had the real conviction that the Riverside Centre really is our Gilgal, our home seven days a week. Yes, we meet here on a Sunday, but it's going to be our home through which we do many exploits. Did you know that Jesus' ministry was based out of his home? It started. At the very start, when he called the first 12 disciples, he said, come and see where I live. Come and spend a day with me. Imagine having a day with Jesus. Yeah? He would have done some cooking. He would have chilled out, invite some friends along. We have now got a home seven days a week. Community groups will be able to have joint groups together, barbecues, the kids can play out there. We're even looking to get a couple of goats, possibly, miniature goats. Just, just for the fun of it. Why not? To, 
cut some of the brambles down and the kids can have a look and play. It's just family. Yeah? Have a field for the kids. Extraordinary. We've got the potential for building a a 400-seater multi-purpose auditorium. That's not guaranteed. But what is guaranteed in life? What is guaranteed? (laughs) But that's a revelation we're walking in at the minute. If we get it, fantastic. That will do us good. That will cut us teeth on some prayer, won't it? If God's got something more for us, fine. It will be a fantastic centre for the church. We'll do multi-site around Ashford and beyond. You know, we are really chilled out about this. But let's, let's start something only God can finish. Is there an amen in that? There's a salutary note about the Israelites and Canaan. It was always God's intention that it would become a place from which they would bless the nations. But they become insular. Do you remember when Jesus came and he went into the temple and he drove out the money changers and he said, you have made this a den of thieves. This is my father's house, for a, 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 a house of prayer for the nations. They, they, they stopped having that wider vision. And I am utterly convinced that our home will be a base for the nations. This is not our home. This is a site from here on in but it will be a base for the nations. Isn't it interesting? Now we're really embracing this, God, it's your way, have your way. Steve gets involved in doing the project manager work for the Riverside. And he has been superb, hasn't he? Him and Bridget. Only God would say, well, when you've done that, you can go and help with the church plant in Brussels. I mean, I've got to admit, I was really miffed. I, I, just, I just, I didn't like it. I, you know, he knows it. I'll tell him. I, I don't want him to go. I prayed against it. <laughs> no, I have. I prayed against it. He knows. I've told him. But not my way, Lord. Have you, you know, you've got, I've got to learn to, we've got to learn to let go of this stuff. I really have got to let, learn to let go of this stuff. And it's great what you and Bridget are doing. And we're going to miss you loads, but we're ever so proud of you. I had a phone call this week from Helen. You know who's in, where is it? Is it Kenya. Sending out, sending out to Kenya. You know she's getting married, don't you? To Wilson. Not, don't think of that um, castaway thing with the football, no. Wilson, man from Tanzania. She's phoned up. She said, can, can we have our wedding blessing at the riverside in May? So get married in Tanzania. Wants to be the first thing we'll do will be a marriage between, and she's very English, England and Tanzania. I said, "What date?" She said, um, "May the 19th. I thought, "Oh Lord!" I said, "That's a that's a." I wrote back and said, "That's the cup final day," and it just so happens that Prince Harry's getting married that day as well. So I said, "Perhaps you might like to try another day." But the joy of it having it's a home. Can you imagine a wedding there and receptions? And if we, get the, if we all get behind it with getting the, all the outside done, it's looking great. It's big. If you've not been down there recently, get down there. Johnny and Patricia came down and, and Johnny just said, it's outstanding, all the work that's been done. Because it's our home. Our home. Don't let Sunday morning here be your home. Find a way of getting down there in the week. Organise something yourselves down there in the week to do. When I told Lecky that we were thinking of having a couple of goats, I think he was thinking of barbecue. 
you know, home is a fun place, isn't it? That, uh, when you come to our home, it's distinctive. When I go to your home, it's distinctive. But the, there's, a life, there's life in a person's home. And it's going to be our life there. Understand it. It's precious what God's done. And it will be for something else. That's not the end. It'll be for something else. So let's learn to hang loose and not get protectionist. Because God's big. I don't want the riverside to be the sum total of all this happens with this church. Just, I mean, that's crazy. That's limiting God, isn't it? Who knows what God might do? You just got to walk in obedience to what God said to you. That's the key. That's the secret. On Friday, Debbie, um, who does so much in the church, Debbie Burgess, we, we love her, respect her. She, she had two hours. She came with a list to meet with the elders. I think we had an elders meeting for nearly two and a half hours, and it was three hours. If three hours. And she said, I, I really, I've got a passion to get year 10 and 11 youth out of our church and take them overseas on mission. This year. It's got, it said, this, it's got to be this year. <laughs> wow. I thought, Praise God for this. So we're working, okay, where's it going to be? We're going to be talking with Andy Robinson, um, dear Andy, who's helping us um, apostolically to, okay, where, where can we go on mission together? Because it builds something into a young person, doesn't it? Yeah. That's, that's our vision. <laughs> it's for the nations. We've got to be global, global and local. Can you say global? <laughs> Pretty good. Then verse 10, in maintaining their vision, they had to keep celebrating their roots. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated Passover. We have to keep celebrating Jesus' death. Communion is so important. We have to keep celebrating who we are, our own family, our own family story. Our clan, catalyst, get along. You'll see it's just a, a breathtaking. Amongst all the other apostolic spheres, it's just a great fit for us. The tribe, New Frontiers, we, we love New Frontiers. Is it exclusive? exclusive? No, it's not. There are many other great tribes. The people of God globally, right across. Wonderful. We are, we are a people of destiny, belonging to the people of God across the globe. On the 10th of February the 10th, Andy and Ben and uh, Apostolic and Prophetic will be meeting with um, hopefully every person who's involved in active ministry in this church. You're going to be receiving an invite along on a Saturday morning for two and a half hours of ministry and receiving from top guys. Apostolic and Prophetic working, working together. If you're involved in any ministry, you're going to get an invite in this church. Really, we should be having everybody because everybody should be involved, but we'll try and squeeze 80 or 90 people in. And verse 13, this is a powerful thing. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. This was a commander of the Lord's army. Now, theologians and commentators all say this was a theophany, an appearance of Jesus before he was actually born as a, um, a Virgin Mary. Because he was pre-existent anyway, but he came down as a commander of the Lord's army. And Jesus stood before Joshua. 
you know what? In that story, I get a sense, I felt Joshua forgot about the presence because when he was in transition from Egypt to Israel, or Canaan, he would linger longer, as we said last week. But he had to, the, the, the Lord Jesus had to say, hey, where you're standing is holy ground. Oh, sorry, Lord, presence first, take shoes off. That has to be something that remains with us as a core value, intrinsic to a part of our vision. And the whole thing of developing a strategy to outwork a vision statement is a dangerous thing if we simply overlay onto the church a strategy that is from a business culture when seeking expansion. And it's possible for churches to do that. But I think there's a danger in that for this very simple reason. There is no reference into the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul learned many strategies for church planting, but Paul gave the Holy Spirit his rightful place in leading his disciples into ministry. I've been studying an excellent paper by Neil Cole entitled A Fresh Missionary Perspective on Paul's Missionary Strategies. Bit of a title. Great read. He said this to quote, This book Luke wrote on the expansion, he's referring to the Acts of the Apostles, this book Luke wrote on the expansion of Christianity is not really the Acts of the Apostles, it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned or alluded to by the author 57 times in 28 chapters. When the question is asked, who was in control of the growth and expansion of the church, there is really only one answer. The Holy Spirit. Not Peter, not Paul. There is no human leader who orchestrated or organised the growth and expansion of the New Testament church from a strictly human perspective This operation was completely out of control. That's pretty scary for church leaders. All spontaneous church expansion in a period of revival has had the same sense of loss of control. It's when we try to control it, revival stops. That's why revivals have have stopped. Because people try and control it and contain it. We've got to let God be God. We have to let God be God. So, Steve and Bridget go in. I've got to let... God be God. Knowing if we send out our best, we'll get some more. You may be here for the first time today. You may be a part of this sowing principle. The more you give, the more you get. Church, we must hear this. Because it keeps us dependent upon the Lord in prayer and in a safe place of vulnerability of spirit as we look to the one standing in front of us in all his glory. Joshua had to be reminded that he was partnering with Jesus. We've got, to, we've got to understand that. It's a partnership that we've been invited into. We don't ask Jesus to tag along. That's crazy. We don't do stuff and ask Jesus to bless it. We go to Jesus and say, what do you want, Lord? <laughs> what do you want? And Neil Cole goes on, perhaps the reason that the Western church today is not seeing rapid expansion and multiplication is because her leaders are in too much control. We tend to get nervous and cautious of anything that ever appears not to have controls. I want to pray right now before I conclude with the final points. Holy Spirit, have the helm. We publicly declare this church is yours to lead. We know that you are not safe, but we know you are very good. Amen.
So we've got to maintain the priority of God's presence as integral to our vision. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. We need to learn to introduce the Lord's presence in every situation. You know, we say, okay, Graham, you're on about how we want to keep in the Lord's presence. How do you do that? Well, I think it's a lot simpler than we think. Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst. Yeah? What I'm making a point of doing is trying to introduce, seeking to introduce prayer, short prayer times with anybody we meet. Okay, let's just pray about this. You can do that wherever you are, at work or at home. Let's just pray about this. When you've got an issue with the kids or whatever, health, let's just pray about it together. Because Jesus said, and I think we don't believe this as much as we should, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. You're making provision for the presence. You might not feel the presence, but you're walking in the promises, and that will release God's presence. And Joshua did so. Now, extending the kingdom, Jericho beckoned. For the church, the battle of Jericho is a prophetic illustration of what God's new covenant peoples advance the kingdom rule of Jesus. You see, it was, for them, it was the first of many exploits. And the gates of Jericho, it says, were securely barred because of the Israelites. Do you remember, we've got to keep learning to have our stories and telling our stories. When we put an offering for the, the Wyvern School, it was barred up. We were prevented from getting it. I tell you, we were really prevented from getting it. You'll, one day you'll hear the full story of the solicitors. <laughs> it's, far, it's incredible. Then Richard Evans said, well, what, what, what does the word wyvern mean? And you know, we Googled it. It means a forked dragon breathing fire. This is interesting. So we said, we've got to change the name of this. So we, well, we asked God and the word riverside came up. So let's call it the riverside. We started actually, our church started in the river room at the Stour Centre. But we just thought of Riverside. Then Tricia came into the office one memorable day. She says, look at this um, map of Ashford. She got it off um, Auden Survey map. The Wyvern School was originally called the Riverside Centre. <laughs> That's Kind of fluky and lucky, isn't it, really? I mean, what are the chances of happening? Actually, I think it's the Holy Spirit. Don't you? You see, God is with us. This is, this is, this is extraordinary stuff. This is supernatural stuff. And I'll conclude a quote by Roland Allen, a, mission, a radical missionary for the gospel, who wrote on mission strategy using Acts as a viable model for church expansion. In his book, The Spontaneous Expansion of the Church, he writes this. It's a long quote, but it's worth it, so tune in. By spontaneous expansion, I mean something which we cannot control, and if we cannot control it, we ought to rejoice that we cannot control it. For if we cannot control it, it is because it is too great, not because it is too small for us. The great things of God are beyond our control. 
Therein lies a vast hope. Spontaneous expansion could fill the continents with the knowledge of Christ. Our control cannot reach as far as that. We constantly bewail our limitations. Open doors unentered, doors closed to us as foreign missionaries, fields wiped to the harvest which we cannot reap. Spontaneous expansion could enter open doors, force closed ones and reap those white fields. Our control cannot only appeal pitifully for more men to maintain control. So to conclude, church, our vision is to grow a family of believers who are passionate about loving God and his presence, that are secure in their identity as his sons and daughters, and are filled with the Holy Spirit, each one partnering with Jesus daily in extending the kingdom. It's yours to get involved in. It's yours to own. It's yours to outwork and express daily because we want to partner with the Holy Spirit. And with that, we'll see unexpected things happen, extraordinary things happen. We'll all see healings. We'll see remarkable miracles. We'll see provision beyond our wildest dreams because God is with us. Amen. Hi there. Hello. I would just like to pray.